Hey, David T., check your email. You are the randomly chosen winner of the $100 Amazon E gift card for completing the 2020 Your Money, Your Wealth podcast survey. So congratulations, and thank you to all who participated. It's your opinions that help us make YMYW a better podcast. Now, if you missed the survey, you can still share your thoughts or ask your money questions just by clicking the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes, then click Ask Joe and Al on air. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, you know how great Roth IRAs are, according to the Roth brothers here. So is there any reason to have pre-tax retirement accounts? How long does money have to be in a traditional IRA before a backdoor Roth conversion? Can annuities be converted to Roth? And when can you pull Roth money out? Plus, more on Vanguard's total stock market index fund, dividends and long-term capital gains once again, an investor's portfolio versus a speculator's portfolio, whether the wife or the ex gets spousal survivor social security benefits, and much more. But first, let's talk about real estate, both selling it and passing it on to your heirs. How might Joe Biden or Donald Trump's changes to the lifetime estate tax exemption impact your estate planning? I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Terry from Minnesota writes in. Hi, Joe and Al. This is Terry from Minnesota. This is a follow-up question to a recent YouTube pertaining uh, to the sale of one-time rental property to now a primary home. Primary two out of the last five years. My question is, if I own the property before 2009, what I then qualified to sell as primary residence currently two out of the last five years and not pay any capital gains. And really enjoy your show. Joe, winter's come I'm out there down to Florida. How's that mean? Winter's coming. I'm out of winter's here. Coming. Winter's coming. I'm out of here down to Florida, 10-1. Oh, that's awesome. Because yeah, of Minnesota. Okay. I'm having trouble reading. <laughs> For the last 20 years. <laughs> Yeah, well, go yeah, go Gators. Mike Terry, Minnesota. He's my brother from uh, Minnesota, heading down to Florida. That sounds cool. Uh, so Terry then replied to Andy. Thank you, Andy, for this. Hi, Andy. My apologies. I should have first said hello to you. You keep the show rolling with those two kids. Those two ah. knuckleheads. You could have said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'll take that one, Jim. Um, so, okay. So, I'm still yeah. The, the, on when he's going to Florida. <laughs> So what uh, Terry is referring to is called a 121 exclusion, which simply means if you lived in a home two out of the last five years, you get a $250,000 exclusion for each, each person, 500,000 for married, so 250 each. So, and that comes off your gain. So if you buy the property for 300,000 and you sell it for 700,000, that's a $400,000 gain, you're married, you pay zero tax because that gain is below 500,000. It gets way more complicated when it's a rental property first and a residence second. You can still do that rule. There's just a, a, there's an allocation is what happens. And the way that it works is you take the number of years as rental versus the number of years as residents, and you do an allocation that way. But the rule only came into being, I think, in 2009, which basically means that anything before 2009 is considered a residence, even though it was a rental. So that, that probably just completely confused you. But now, let's say you bought the property in 1990. So you basically had 20 years of it being a rental, but that's considered residence because they didn't have this rule. Then maybe you have it for 
nine or 10 years as a, as a, as a rental after 2009, and then two years as a resident. So in that example, the 20 years originally as a rental is counted as a residence. <laughs> so now you take the 10 years rental divided by 32, which is the total years owned, and that's how much of the exclusion that you're not able to take. So that probably completely confused you. My, my advice is to talk to your accountant because it's not that simple. The, the, the quick answer is if you bought a rental uh, uh, before 2009, uh, it's, it's tricky. You're going to need to get a little help. You got it, Joe? You writing all that down? That was awful. <laughs> that, was, that, that was hard listening right there, bro. So was, Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Well, that's tax law for you sometimes. Yeah, there you go. We got Ann. She writes in, Dear Al, Joe, and Andy, I enjoy your podcast tremendously and I've learned a lot from it. I have a question about the lifetime tax estate tax exemption. Okay. I know that the current estate tax exemption of approximately $11.7 million per person will be reduced to approximately $5.4 million per person when the Trump tax law expires at the end of 2025 and maybe even lower if Biden has his way. If I gift my daughter a property with a market value of 500000 will it reduce my lifetime estate tax exemption by the amount of the estate tax exemption is changed? Or does my lifetime estate tax exemption resets to the new amount and starts fresh unaffected by previous gift given before the change of the exemption amount? Oh, that's a very sophisticated question by Ann. Uh, it is, Joe. And, and Ann, I got an answer for you. I guess let me do a little uh, background. So when, when you pass away, $11.7 million goes to your beneficiaries tax-free. Okay. And if you're married, you, you double up on that. And so what some people do is say, well, I'm going to get around this by giving while I'm living and I still get that $11.7 million exemption. And the answer is no, you can't not do that. I mean, you can give, it just gets subtracted off your exemption. So 11.7 minus 500,000 becomes 11.2. That's what's left over. Now, the truth is the IRS uses something called a unified credit. I don't need to go into that, but for practical purposes, that's kind of how this works. Now, if the estate tax exemption comes back down to 5.4 million, then you're out of luck. And in other words, it doesn't get reset. It's 5.4 million minus the 500,000, or if it becomes a million, like it was in the or 600,000 in the 80s. Yeah, it, uh, it's 600,000 minus the 500. That's the way it works. The only benefit uh, currently is if you give away, let's say, and most people don't million. have a, yeah, yeah, 10, let's say you give away 10 million bucks, for example, and now when you pass away, it's 5.4 million, that there's no clawback. So you, you basically got the 10 million to the next uh, generation without a tax, but it's actually called a unified credit. That unified credit stays with you as long as you're living and then gets subtracted off of the estate tax exemption when you pass. Yeah, it's called an estate freeze. So if Anne is worried that the estate tax exemption is going to go down, the amount that she can go to the heirs without tax, you can freeze the estate by gifting up to that exemption amount. Um, so then let's say if she gifted 11.7, well, she could give more because you got the annual exclusion too per target. Um, so depending on how many beneficiaries that she has, you can give a little bit more. What's, what is the annual now? 
Uh, it's 15,000 15 per, per person. Yep, yeah, 15,000 per person. Uh, so a couple more, but you, you can set up an, an irrevocable trust, gift all that. Now it goes, the, the estate tax exemption goes down to, let's say, 1 million. She gifted 12 million out. Uh, that 12 million would avoid the estate tax because it's already out of her taxable estate. Uh, but there would be a capital gains tax to the beneficiaries, depending on how much that asset grew. So, Yeah, well, there could be, depending upon Biden's suggestion, right, which is to get rid of the step-up in basis. Or under current law, the heirs get the step-up in basis if it's, if it's, if it's given outside of their estate. Yeah, but if it's in an irrevocable trust, trust they're not going to be, right? Because she's freezing the estate. Oh, yeah. So, sorry, Joe. Sorry, Joe. You're, ex- you're right. So if, he, if she gives it to an irrevocable trust, it is what it is. There's no step up. If she, um, yeah, if she, if she gives it or if she just so gives she it directly. she keeps it in the estate and she dies, then yeah. let's say the estate tax exemption is $1 million. She's got a $12 million estate. $1 million goes estate tax free. Correct. Right? Then $11 million is going to be subject to the estate tax. And if there's no step up in basis, then they're really going to be screwed. Because, right, there's yes. going to be a capital gains plus the estate tax. So they're going to have to sell the asset, pay the capital gains tax to pay the estate tax. You're going to see <laughs> well, like this huge estate yeah. just crumble into something a yeah, lot smaller. And, and I, think the, I think the point of the perhaps no step up in basis, which is being discussed right now, uh, that, that goes on alongside the fact that there's no estate tax. So it, anyway, kind of is one and the same. But the, the proposal, it's not a proposal, the discussion points by Biden and the Democrats actually is that there is no step up and the heirs have to pay the tax on the appreciation at date of death. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's a lot of planning that you probably want to take a look at um, in regards to your state and what your goals are. So thanks a lot for the question. I'm glad we can um, help teach you tremendously. No matter where you are in the country, now is the time to schedule a video call with Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors to make sure your financial and estate plans are nimble, tax efficient, and properly aligned with your goals, no matter who is president. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Click the get an assessment button to schedule yours and do it now before the calendar gets all booked up as we approach the election and the end of the year. And in case you missed it, Joe Big Al and I presented a free live webinar, especially for the YMYW audience, all about how a Joe Biden presidential win might impact your taxes. Watch that in the podcast show notes as well. Uh, Ken from New Hampshire. Hi, Andy. I guess this is just a little love letter. (laughs) Andy, thanks again for helping getting my last question answered by Joe and Al earlier this summer. I have another unrelated question, which I hope might be useful for other listeners. I've gone all in on Roth. I have Roth IRAs and contribute the max to Roth 401k through my employer. I heard Al talking about tax diversification when it comes to retirement savings, but is there any reason someone like me would want to add a pre-tax component to my retirement portfolio when it can almost entirely be tax-free upon retirement? I know my employer matches pre-tax, but it is all relatively small percentage of my overall retirement savings. Thanks again for the great show. Uh, Ken, I'm all in Roth. Roth, Ken. I know what Al's answer is going to be, but 
Yeah, I know you do. What's your I'm, answer? We'll start with that. I'm going to say, just who cares? Keep rolling with it. I mean, there's probably a more sophisticated strategy, but at the end of the day, he's not going to miss a couple bucks he saved in tax. Everything's going to be tax-free. Just plow away. Yeah, I'm going to answer his, his comment, but his or question, is there any reason someone like me would want to add a pre-tax component? when he's all in Roth? And the answer is it depends on your tax bracket, right? Because if 100% of your income is tax-free in retirement, great. Uh, but if you had a little bit of taxable income, it'll be taxed in the lowest bracket, 10% or maybe 12%. If you're currently in the 24% bracket, in other words, if you're not getting a deduction and saving at the 24% bracket so that you don't have to pay a 10, 12% tax later, that's why you wouldn't want to necessarily do the whole thing. But I think I've said that, Joe, in reference to people that have a bunch of money in tax deferred and they ask the question, should I convert it all? And the answer is no, not necessarily. Uh, but in this particular case, Ken, if you've already, if you already got Roth, then I agree with Joe, stick with it. But the reason why you have tax diversification is, is why pay a higher tax now in exchange for a lower tax in retirement. That would be the reason. Right. Now, and that's the right answer. If Ken's in a high tax bracket, if a lot of his assets are in, in Roth IRAs now, compounding tax-free, and if he can get a tax deduction, grow some tax-deferred assets, and when he's in retirement, pull those out at those lower rates, then it, it makes all the sense in the world. That's why we're big proponents of tax diversification. It's, but what we've never done is gone the other way. You know, I think we're so prone to helping people get more diversified from a tax-free perspective than the other way around because everyone yeah. has all their money in a, a tax-deferred account, not necessarily overweighted in a tax-free account. Yeah. And, and another way to think about this is in retirement, if 100% of your income is tax-free, so you got zero income and you get a standard deduction, which for a married couple right now is $25,000. So your taxable income would be negative 25, right? In other words, you could have $25,000 of income and still pay zero tax. And to get that zero income, you had to pay tax at higher rates to get the money into the Roth. So that, that would be the consideration. That's why we talk about tax diversification. All right. Uh, we got Paul writes in from Cardiff by the sea. He goes for a backdoor Roth. How long does my contribution need to stay in my traditional IRA before I convert? Uh, you can convert it immediately, Paul. So you put the money in a non-deductible IRA. I don't know what we used to season it for like a year, but that was because we're super conservative. Now the law, uh, some came out a couple years ago, didn't it, Al? Yeah, the, it wasn't really it was a, a like law, a private letter it, ruling or something it, like that. It, it was, believe it or not, it was an IRS agent pretty high up being interviewed on a radio show. And they asked about this. And he said, you know what, we, we're okay with the backdoor Roth. And he said right on the air that it doesn't, you know, you could do it immediately. It doesn't need to be seasoned. And so anyway, that's what we're going with right now. So, but in the past, yeah, we, we used to tell people wait three months, six months, maybe a second tax year, maybe a year to be conservative. But I, I don't believe you need to do that anymore. You can convert immediately. All right, Paul from Cardiff by the sea. I appreciate your uh, question. Phil from Cardiff writes in, IRAs are tax deferred and can be converted to Roth. Annuities are also tax deferred. Can they be converted to Roth? Shows great. Thanks. Uh, no. It depends, I guess, right? Yeah. If the annuity's in Good. the shell of an IRA, then it can. Yeah, that's the key. If it's inside an IRA, yes. If it's not inside an IRA, the answer is no. Right. So a non-qualified annuity grows tax deferred and then 
it has LIFO tax treatment, last in, first out. So all the earnings come out as ordinary income. So that will be taxed at ordinary income. So some of the things that we do is we look at, all right, uh, because people screw up when they're looking at, um, I don't want to, I shouldn't say screw up, but sometimes people will have an annuity that's outside of a retirement account and then they have their retirement account and then they start trying to make income. And it's like, okay, well, here, I'm going to take a little bit from my annuity or annuitize it. And then most of that income is going to be subject to ordinary income. The IRA is going to be subject to ordinary income. And they, they blow themselves up from a tax perspective. So uh, there's annuity rescues. If you, if you have an old, let's say, non-qualified annuity, you would want to treat that as a conversion by taking some of that money out if you choose to. If you don't want the guarantees of the annuity, if you bought the annuity or someone sold it to you as an investment versus a guaranteed income source, well, then you might want to get rid of it and then deplete it out by utilizing the tax brackets there. So it, it's, it's a similar strategy to a conversion, but, but a little different. Ed writes in, hi, Joe and Big Al, love your show and generally listen while running. Look at Ed getting in shape. He's 73 and he runs. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty impressive. That just shows that's, the caliber of listener we have. That's what I'll be doing at 73. Yeah, I could see that running up and down the beach. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, I have a Roth at Schwab for many years. I opened a second Roth at Vanguard so I could roll over IRA distributions to it since I don't have to take the RMD this year. Um, I thought I heard on one of your shows that if I'm over 70 and a half, I can take withdrawals at any time and the five-year rule doesn't apply. I can't find info that says that. It seems to say I can take a withdrawal and avoid penalties, but I will have to pay taxes on the growth. What's the truth? Will I have to pay taxes on the newer Roth? I guess I could always take money out of my older Roth but that wasn't why I opened the Vanguard Roth. Thanks in advance for your answer. All right, so Ed's kind of scrambled eggs here. He's got a lot of different things kind of going on. He's hearing tidbits of things, and then the, a lot of times people put buzzwords together, and they get them confused. Let's break this down. RMD, that is a required minimum distribution. Uh, required minimum distributions need to be taken out each 72. It was at 70 and a half. At 72, due to the Secure Act, right, they, they pushed it out. You have to take a certain percentage out of your IRA, pay the tax on the RMD. You can spend it or reinvest it in a brokerage account. This year, because of the CARES Act, they waived required minimum distributions. So he does not have to take the RMD. He also says that he's converted one of his IRAs into a Roth. So then he's talking about five-year clocks. There's a five-year clock if, with a Roth IRA if you have not started a Roth IRA before. So let's, he says he established a Roth IRA many years ago, right? So I'm assuming many years ago is more than five. Yeah, I would make the same assumption, Joe. And, and, and of course, there's completely different rules if you're under 59 and a half or over 59 and a half to make this more complicated. I could see why it's confusing. So with him, he's 73. So let's just, let's answer Ed's question. Since he's over 59 and a half, 
He had a Roth IRA at Schwab for many years. I'm going to assume that's more than five. He opens up an additional Roth IRA at Vanguard. He converts money, puts it into Vanguard. His Roth IRA at Vanguard is already satisfied because the IRS doesn't care if you opened up multiple Roths at multiple custodians. They just care what year that you established the Roth. Yeah, and furthermore, if you open the Roth in one custodian and move it to another one, it's that original date from that first custodian that counts. So the second Roth IRA is satisfied. If, if you do a conversion, it sounds like he did a conversion, and that's the reason why he opened it up at, a, at Vanguard. It sounds like he had an IRA at Vanguard, opens up a Roth IRA at Vanguard, and just moved money from the IRA to the Roth IRA. Did, did you get the gist of that? Yeah, I think that's I think that's what he's saying, and 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 I and I get the confusion because if you're under fifty nine and a half and you do the same thing, you do have to wait five years uh, for to to have access to that conversion amount, and you have to wait till fifty nine and a half or five years, whichever is longer, for to get the growth out without taxes and penalty. YMYW episodes 255 and 265 have lengthy discussions of the five-year Roth clock rules, so I've linked to them in the podcast show notes for more of a refresher. Now, I realize that trying to keep track of Joe and Big Al when they talk in circles is challenging at best, so if you prefer to see all of this laid out on paper or on your computer screen, as the case may be, we also have a handy cheat sheet on these five-year Roth withdrawal rules that lays everything out based on your age, when you established your Roth, and whether we're talking contributions or conversions. That guide is free and it's in the podcast show notes as well. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and you can read the transcript of the podcast, listen to those earlier episodes and download the guide to the five-year rules for Roth IRA withdrawals. Now, if you're still confused, click Ask Joe and Al on air in the podcast show notes and the fellows will do their best to help you out. Uh, okay, Mark writes in Chula Vista. Hi, Andy, Joe, and Al. I was listening to podcast 289 about the coronavirus-related distribution, and I heard that you can take a distribution up to $100,000 without withholding taxes. I just completed my distribution with my 403B provider, and they withheld 20% taxes. I wanted all of it without withholdings. Should I call them and have them correct it? Thanks for all your great advice. I mean, conversations. Thanks, Mark. That's right. We do not give advice on this program, folks. Not even a little bit. They are just thoughts of ours and opinions of conversation. So, okay, he did a coronavirus-related distribution, took $100,000 from his 403B. He wanted to take the full $100,000. I'm guessing he was going to put it into an IRA because he didn't like the, the funds in his 403B. They were too expensive. Whatever he wanted to do, he wanted to get it out. But then the 403B provider withheld 20%. What does he do, Al? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, uh, that's what I would try first is go back to the HR department and see if it can be undone. But if it's already been done through payroll, they may be unwilling to do it because now you're doing amended, you know, amended forms and all kinds of stuff. But that would be what you should try. And, and it's a correct statement with a coronavirus distribution. You don't have to have withholding, but I can imagine not all companies are savvy to that rule. So I, I can imagine there would be a lot of confusion. Yeah. I, I mean, you've got to be really clear with these people. Do not withhold taxes. You know, I mean, we have problems just doing simple transactions sometimes. And with 403Bs, it, it, it might be with an annuity company too. So 
Yeah, yeah um, it might. So, yeah. Mark, yeah, start there. And then, try, try, um, try to get it done. If, if you can't get it done, you will get the money back. It'll just yeah, be Yeah, I would a just put giant. the full 100000 If he's moving it into an IRA, put the 100000 He's going to get the money back anyway. There's, yeah, but there's that's, ways that's, that you can do this to get the full money in there. Assuming he's got another time and thought here. Assuming he's got another 20000 so Exa- Yeah, he would need the 20000 in cash. It's probably very similar to, let's say, a rollover where they do it wrong or they botch the paperwork. And let's say you're under 59 and a half and they withhold taxes from it. Well, that's a distribution that you would have to pay a 10% penalty on. So you would have to repay the IRA the amount of withholding. And then you'd just get the money back as a refund that went to the IRS. So let's say Mark took $100,000 out of the 403B, 20,000 of it was withheld. He puts 80,000 back into an IRA put another 20 if he had it sitting in cash to make the IRA whole at 100. Then when he files his return, he gets a refund of 20 grand. Yeah, you end up in the same spot that way. You're just out 20 grand for a while till you file your tax return. And But if you don't, you know, you may not have the 20,000 or you may not want to be out the 20,000. So try to get your employer to undo it. All right, uh, next question. Hi, everyone. Love your podcast. This is Gail from Western New York. Hey, Gail. As I write this email today, my husband and I were supposed to be on a plane to San Diego for a week vacation to celebrate our daughter's birthday, but COVID-19 changed our plans. We do love San Diego, though. Uh, My question is, what are your thoughts on where to invest Roth IRA funds? Our plan is to retire in the next two years. We plan to live off our taxable IRAs at the low tax rates and possibly do some Roth conversions and take our Social Security at 70 and, of course, spend more time in beautiful, sunny San Diego. We really do not see any future need in our retirement plans for the $300,000 we have in our Vanguard Roth IRA account. Should we just invest all of it in the total stock market index fund and let it ride? Or do you think we should divide it between other funds? Many thanks to you and your thoughts and suggestions. All right. Gail doesn't need the money. She wants to let it ride. Should she just go total U.S. stock market? Yeah, my my thought is I, I like the thinking. In other words, it's it's not necessarily for her. It might be for her her daughter or her other kids. Um, but you never know if your life changes. So I wouldn't do a hun- I would not do a hundred percent in a total stock market fund. But I might. I might go 70%, maybe even 80 if I wanted to push it. Just, But I would like some security just in case I might need those funds. I would go, uh, yeah, I would go all world, you know. So the, the, the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, VTSMX, I believe that's just the U.S. Uh, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think I would want to go, just US. you know, total world. Yeah, and, and maybe you want maybe you want two funds, one one that's international and one that's domestic. Well, I would no, still buy, if she just wants to buy one fund. I forget what the ticker symbol is for the, uh, but that'd be dangerously close of us giving advice. Uh, but <laughs> she, she could um, she could just yeah. do a, a total globe uh, global fund that would would take into account uh, U.S. and international. So. Um, yeah, but yeah. but what what do you think about my thoughts on would you go 100% or would you back off a little bit? I don't know. I think what the hell. It sounds like <laughs> Yale's, you know, she's savvy. She gets it. She doesn't need the money. Uh, but you're right. Things happen. 
Um, I would want to look a little bit. Why would you want to spend some of the Roth? Because she's not utilizing the Roth appropriately, I guess, in my uh, – where's the income coming from? Is it all coming from 401K dollars? Is it all coming from brokerage accounts? Does she have real estate? The kid lives in some – I, I don't know, right? The, the whole reason why you want to have money in a Roth, in my opinion, is that, yeah, I mean, it grows tax-free. But when it comes time to take distribution and she wants to retire in a couple of years, that she has the flexibility of using those dollars to keep her out of higher brackets. You know, for instance, let's say the lifestyle that they want to live is $100,000, but maybe they want to spend an additional $20,000 this year to, to go down to San Diego, right, and spend a month down there. Well, instead of taking the additional $20,000 from the IRA that would pop them into a higher bracket, you have the Roth IRA that you could spend that would keep you in the same bracket. There's no more stretch IRA, so stretching the Roth out over the kid's life expectancy is not going to do any good because they're going to have to take the money out as well. So I would want to look at the planning on how they're taking the distributions long term and then come up with a better strategy. But if she's like, I don't want this money or not want it. I don't need it. I want to grow it. Yeah, I don't know. If, if you got 20, 30-year time frame, then why not? Yeah, I like to see what yeah, I'm not going to fight anyone anymore, Alan. If they want to blow themselves up, it's their money. Well, right? and, and the truth is we're just having a conversation. Right? That's all we're doing. We're just a couple of kids here hanging out. Steve from San Diego. Steve's question is a little out, bit long. Watch this. I got scared. Okay. You got it. Go for it. The show continues to be great every week. Uh, thank you so much for all the great answers. I wonder if you could compare two portfolios for me. Each has $50,000 to invest. I call them the investor portfolio in the speculators portfolio. You could probably see where I'm going. Yes. The investor's portfolio is a financial advisor's dream, a conservative balanced diversified portfolio consist consisting of a blend of stock funds, bond funds, cash, and maybe some alternatives like gold and others. The stock portion consists of low-cost index funds across small, medium, and large. Growth, income, and value. Domestic, international, emerging markets. The bond portion consists of low-cost bond index funds, maybe a mix of short-term and long-term. The cash position consists of treasuries, maybe a mixture of short, medium, and long-term. The investor's portfolio has sensible percentages for each portion and uses asset allocation for tax efficiency. Um, oh, I'm sorry, asset location. Wow, geez, Steve, you must be an advisor. Now for the spe speculators portfolio. With the $50,000 in this fund, I invest $1,000 in each of the 50 hottest stocks of today. The real high flyers, the go-getters. I leave this portfolio alone for 20 to 30 years, except for reinvesting dividends. I might rebalance once a year, but only among the stocks in the portfolio. Everything I read suggests that the investor's portfolio is a better choice, but I can't help thinking that the speculator's portfolio will bring a better return. What do you think? Thanks so much, and please keep up the good work. Um, of course, the speculators portfolio. Speculator. Spec speculator. Speculators. Yes. Speculators. Yeah. Speculators. Whatever. Speculators it's going to make a higher rate of return. Of course it is. If those companies stay in business, you will kill the investor's portfolio. Without well, one thing, question. You're, yeah, you're 100% in stocks, right? So that's, that's one thing right there. Yeah. I mean, you have concentration risk. So if they, if, 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 as long as they stay in business, even if one company turns out to be pretty good, because he's got the top 50 flyers, he's got a thousand in one of them. One of them could, over the next 30 years could be the next 
Apple, Netflix, Amazon, Google, Alphabet, whatever. So yes, but the problem is, is what's the goal of the money? Is it to get the highest rate of return? Because the next year, you know, some of those companies could go under, right? And then all that return could drop significantly once you need the money. So yes, it will give you a higher return. Is it the right choice? Probably not. Why My W isn't just a podcast, it is also a TV show in its sixth season. Hey, speculators, <laughs> Joe and Big Al covered the costliest investing mistakes, like investing without a plan, failing to diversify, emotional investing mistakes, and more on the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show this season, as well as investing in volatile markets, bridging the retirement gap at any age, how to build a dynamic financial plan, and plenty more. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app, go to the show notes, and watch the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show and access all the other free financial resources. Make sure you're subscribed to both the TV show and the podcast. And then don't you think that more people should know about YMYW? Well, you can do us a favor and share the podcast and TV show with your friends, your family, coworkers, your Aunt Edna, whoever. Do it via email or on social media and let's spread this financial fun everywhere. What do you say? Uh, Smitty's back from Roseburg, Oregon. Hello, Andy, Joe, Big Al. A few weeks ago, you guys answered a long-term capital gains tax question for me. Thanks. I have a couple more long-term capital gains tax questions for you guys. Is a automatic dividend pay out taxed the same as manual, manually withdrawing out the same amount? On any random day, that is not near the dividend payout day. So Smitty's still hung up on this, Big Al. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> let's try to go through it again <laughs> so this is the same question smitty it's just worded differently yeah, um, it's uh, carefully worded differently it, it yes. is maybe yep. that's an indication that you guys didn't answer the question well enough uh, for smitty to understand uh, uh, I, apparently that's the truth <laughs> okay you answered my question thank you but let me ask it again because yeah. i okay, wasn't hey, you guys good. are the best Thank you so much for answering my question. I'm still confused as hell. Uh, you so, want to take a stab at it? Okay, well, Smitty, let's say if, if you get a dividend on a stock that has an ex-dividend date that gives, you have a $10 stock that gives you a dollar. The company's issuing the dividend. You get the dollar, you reinvest it, you pay the tax on the dollar. What Al and I were talking about is that we create what is called a synthetic dividend. So let's say that the stock price is worth $10 a share you sell it, you sell $1 a share, and then you could either spend it or reinvest it. If a stock is at $10 a share and offers a $1 dividend, the stock price will go to $9 a share. If you reinvest it, now you've got the other dollar, right? Now it's your, your whole, but you have to pay tax on the dividend. So no matter when you take a distribution, if it's the same exact amount of the dividend, you will be taxed on what is distributed from the stock. If the company distributed the dividend or if you sell the stock with a synthetic dividend, you're still going to be taxed. Yeah, the, the only difference though, if it's a company dividend, you're taxed on the whole dividend. If you sell some shares of stock, then it's a capital gain and some of that's return of basis. So you're, you're not gonna be taxed on the whole thing. So it's actually, it's more tax favored to create your own dividend in, in essence by sell, selling a little bit yourself. Okay, also, buy that? Yeah, yeah, I buy that for sure. 
of that return of basis. That was pretty good, Al. Yeah. It's really also, that's that's an account. <laughs> let's say that I'm at the very top of the 22% tax bracket, then withdrew $300,000 of long-term capital gains from my taxable account. Would this push me into the 35% tax bracket? Great show as always. Smitty. Oh, AKA, he's our RP rider. Six stars. <laughs> I love Smitty. Al, stop yawning. Answer the question. Okay. $300,000 capital gains. No, you still are in the 22% bracket. But the capital gains, they sit on top of it. So now you're going to be subject to probably the 3.8% Medicare surtax to the extent your adjusted gross income is over 250. And if your taxable income gets over married couple about 475-ish, then it's going to be taxed at 20%. So it doesn't change the ordinary income, but it could be a higher capital gains tax. Sits on top, Smitty. So if you create a dividend or if the company creates a dividend, you're still going to be taxed. Long-term capital gains sits on top of ordinary income. So that's the lesson once again. Uh, we got Clint writes in another letter to Andy. Hi, Andy. I married my dreamboat. From episode 169. What the hell is that? In May of 2018, Clint actually emailed the show and asked, are there financial benefits to getting married before the end of the year? And so now he's letting us know that he and his dream boat finally actually got married. Congratulations, so, Clint. So he must, have, he must have waited till 2020, I guess. Yeah. Huh? Based upon our advice, maybe? Possibly. Yeah. Well, episode 169... <laughs> <laughs> That's just the, the the love boat of all episodes. Yeah, right. We were married February 29th at Lighthouse in Florida. Oh, cool. Yeah. We honeymooned on an 11-night cruise to the Eastern Caribbean in March. Uh, we made it back to Florida just in time for the cruise shutdown. My question is about filing taxes while married. Is there any benefit to filing jointly or separately? I make 80 K per year. My wife makes 60 K per year. Thanks for the great information or informative show. My, my apologies. So uh, what do you think? Yeah. Separately yeah. or married here for uh, Clinton? Pro, pro, oh, yeah. Or, prob, prob, probably married filing joint because the um, in general, if your salary is somewhat comparable to each other. The, if you add yourselves together, married filing joint, it's slightly lower taxes than each separately, married filing separate. That's the general rule. If your income is quite a bit different, then sometimes it makes sense to file separately, married filing separately. Uh, we're in California and that's a community property state. And the answer is that there's no benefit generally of filing separate because of the community property rules. I, I'm not sure about Florida, whether that's community property or not. I'm thinking maybe it's not, but I don't, I don't know that 100%. So I would say based upon these numbers, probably file joint. All right. You can leave a voice uh, recording. Uh, Parvin did. And then got mad and said that Parvin's been leaving us messages. So uh, let's see what Parvin has to say. Hi, uh, my name is Parvin. I have left messages for Joe and Al, and I've been listening every day, and I haven't got any answer. I am married, and uh, he's been married before for 10 years, then he got divorced. Then five years later, we got married, and now it's been 29 years. So let's say, God forbid, if he crashes, 
he's right now 64 years old and I am 57. If he passed, does his ex-spouse get his income, social security, or does that go between his ex and me? How does that work? Uh, I am just curious because we've been married almost 30 years. Uh, he is still working. I am unemployed, and he's thinking to retire next year at 65. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye-bye. What do you think? Alan, uh-oh, they're going to – Parvin's splitting. She better get to that Social Security office a lot quicker than the ex. <laughs> well, I've got – Parvin, i got some good news for you because the, the Social Security Administration doesn't look at it that way. If you're entitled, you get your full benefit, your full survivor. If, um, if his ex-wife is entitled, she gets the full benefit as well. So it, it can actually be a double benefit. So you don't get any, any reduction of benefits. We've got that question before. We have. Several times, and, I think. Yeah, and I think, and, and it's partly because you like, get the statement that's- going to get my benefit? Yeah, well, yeah, we do get that. And I think, Joe, that partly comes from the statement that says the family benefit is X. And it's like, well, is this part of the family benefit? And it's not, actually. It's a, it's a whole separate benefit. doesn't really impact you. All right. Uh, hopefully that helps. Thanks for the voice uh, recording. And I don't know what, what, what she's talking about, leaving me messages. She listens every day. It's we. It's a podcast once a week. So she's listening to the same podcast every day. She's listening to the old ones, I think. She's listening to the old ones. I'm listening every day. There's no answer yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. that's the problem. We, we need to do, apparently we need to do this every day, Jay. Absolutely not. All right, so if you're in the 43% of YMYW listeners who dig the derails or the 18% of listeners who want the show to be even longer, this is the episode for you because I've got 10 minutes of ridiculousness lined up for you here momentarily. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 for your free financial assessment. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Node wants to use the iCloud keychain. How's that? We can cancel it. Node. Are you a node? You are, dude. All right. Ready? Yeah, dude. Three, two, one. Did you just call me, dude? Yeah. Got it. Welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money or Wealth. Dude here with Big Al. <laughs> That's your new nickname? Per That's Andy? Andy just called me. He did. Yeah, right? I think we should still go with Alfredo Grande, Pepe, and Carmen. All right. <laughs> from our Spanish class, remember? Yeah, right. I like it. Okay. Uh, we're back from a week hiatus. Andy decided to leave us for a week. <laughs> Leave you us know, high and dry. Any different if you hadn't just said that. Well, it felt that's why it's fun. That's why it's fun to say that. <laughs> yeah. Set a ticket vacation. Right. In the middle of a pandemic. I don't know who does that. But. <laughs> you know, <laughs> travel is supposed to be, uh, you know, yeah, very not limited, optional. Very limited. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, yes. That's why it was a staycation. Got it. Oh, okay. Speculators? <laughs> Specula- <laughs> speculator? Speculator. Yeah. Specula- Speculator. Speculators. 
<laughs> Speculator. Speculator. I liked it. It was it was consistent all the way through. Yep. People are going, I wonder what a speculator is. <laughs> speculator. Specula- S- speculator. Speculator. I like speculator. <laughs> Speculators in, in portfolio. Sounds important. Speculator. Yeah. Kind of sounds like what was that little He-Man's villain? Oh. And as soon as you said it now, I can't remember. Skeletor. 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 Yes. Yeah. There you go. It's a Skeletor portfolio. <laughs> well, Gail, that's where we're at. So next time you're in town, stop by, say hi to Big Al. <laughs> and Not <Jim>. you? <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy. I don't know. If I'm a guy, do you call, if I'm a male, do I call the person I'm going to marry a dreamboat? Oh, I thought it was the um, other way around. I can't I say. I bet calls I, you like my dreamboat. And you I've call never, her. Like, I've, I've never been called that and I've never called her that. <laughs> dreamboat. So <laughs> uh, That's in Del Mar, by the way, for you non-California. Well, it's, it's, it's north of Solana Beach, to be specific. <laughs> You're, in you're San not Diego in North County, County guy. for all those people. If I lived in Cardiff, country. I would say I live in Del Mar. Wouldn't you? Not, or would you? Not or would you be like I'm from Cardiff right by the sea? Not, <laughs> it depends who the audience is. If it's San Diego, you would go Cardiff by the sea. But I, I don't think I would ever say by the sea either. I would say Cardiff. <laughs> right? No, there's a there's a Cardiff in England, so that distinguishes it from the other one. Yeah, you know, I was playing golf with this guy. We were up in Mount Monterey. So some guy goes, hey, where are you from? He's like, Malibu. And I almost puked. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're from L.A. You know what I mean? You don't. Well, uh, here's my address. I have a nice little bluff home. Like, you know, to the. Oh, you know? Yeah, so, that's right. I, I'm from Bel Air. Yeah, right. No, Beverly Hills. Just say, if you're in L.A., it's like, what part of L.A. do you live in? Then you can say that. But if you're nowhere near it. I live in uh, Malibu. <laughs> Hey, where are you from? <laughs> I live in Bay Park. <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful doesn't little have the same right ring by, to it. Uh, Claremont, where we call yes. the Claremonsters. Yeah. Um, I got Phil from Cardiff. Not not Cardiff by the sea, but no. Cardiff. So, so maybe yeah, he's actually Phil, from the other Cardiff. Phil knows Paul. Because Paul likes to say Cardiff by the sea. Yeah. Phil would be like me. I would be like Mr. Cardiff Joe from Cardiff. Or you would go Del Mar. <laughs> you think you think everything north of Del Mar is Del Mar, right? Pretty much. <laughs> you used to say San Alejo was in Del Mar. And I'm thinking, uh, I'm pretty sure that's Encinitas, but I didn't oh, correct you. Is Encinitas north of Del Mar? Yeah. I've only lived here almost 20 years. <laughs> I, everything's how many times. How many times have you, have you been north of Del Mar? Uh, not very often. Yeah, I'm thinking. Not very often. I know you went to see an angel game, so you have driven past it. Twice. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. I don't really get out of the bubble much, Big Al. Yeah, I'm aware of that. <laughs> uh, Some people uh, like their bubbles. It, you know? Yep. It's very nice and safe. Yep. <laughs> okay. you, used to be a, you used to be a downtown bubble guy. Now you're a Bay Park bubble guy. Yeah, you, you 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 still go downtown though sometimes to work yeah. out, right? Yeah. Yes, I so, haven't been like downtown in um in a while. Yeah, because the gyms were closed. Oh, I suppose. Yeah. And 
thought you had but a home gym that... so that you could stay in your bubble. What's that? I thought you had a home gym so that you could stay in your bubble so you didn't have to like go be with No, other I have people. a Peloton. I have a Peloton. Ah, okay. Got it. Yeah. That's about it. Um I don't have a, a home gym. Big Al, do you have a home gym? You look like you're chill. You run up and down your stairs. Is your I do. <laughs> in your socks. I mean, in my you're socks. in your 60s, and you're running up and down your stairs in your house in socks. It's yeah, like but you're I, a four-year-old and I, kid. And I don't hurt my toes. <laughs> okay. Um, what the hell's R.P. Rylan? It's know. probably his name. His name is Smitty. <laughs> It's his, it's his Apple name. It's the I name he uses. RP, he's not like he rides bikes. Probably does. Harley. There you go. So right? when he when he gives reviews, I guess he goes by RP Rider. Yeah. He's, he's it, because it us. sounds more threatening. Like Smitty sounds like a fun guy. You want to have yeah. a deal with Smitty. <laughs> like RP Rider, you're going to be scared. Yeah. I your... think I want to let him pass on by. <laughs> yeah. If he's going to say, you know what? You don't know what the hell you're talking about. This show sucks. I'll be like, R.P. Ryder, I'm not going to dispute that. Or if he says, you know what, this is like six stars, you're going to be like, totally. If you guys right, don't so- know what I'm talking about, R.P. Ryder, a.k.a. Smitty, wrote us a very nice review. Because someone gave us a, ba- a bad review, a four-star review or something like that, Andy? Yeah, yeah, it was it was a four-star review, so it. It, wasn't that, it wasn't that bad. But Smitty said I would give it six stars if I could, just to replace Long part. Time in China's review. That's who it was. Yes. yes. Uh, we had to have a, like a, a, a three-hour Zoom meeting with Andy. Oh, my um, gosh, you are after, such after a liar. After that four-star review on how we have to <laughs> revamp the show and make sure that we never, ever get a four-star review. So. Yeah, the, the founder, yeah. the fa- the, the two, two original founders of the company, they were pissed, right? <laughs> uh, next time around, I think Smitty's going to have to tell us what it is that he's writing, since that's like, you know, one of the, the things that you have to say when you write into Your Money, Your Wealth is yes. what kind of vehicle you are listening to the show in, what your dog is, and all that kind of stuff. So, RP, what are you riding? Guaranteed it's a bike, RP rider. There you maybe go. it's like a road bike. I think that's it, Al. You're in Hawaii. Enjoying yes, I am. the weather. You look nice. Yes, I am very relaxed, Joe. Although I'm still working pretty hard. Because, you know, these days we're working from home. It doesn't really matter where. Yeah, but easy for you to say. <laughs> well, I'm in the office. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, but you like the office. You could work at home. I don't, I don't know if you can. can. Could you? Do you even have a computer, Joe? Do I have a computer? What kind of at home. At yes, home. I have a oh, okay. At home? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I finally got one of these little <laughs> yeah, laptops. You had to pause on that one. Yeah. Have you ever I used it? I, I don't open question. it up very often. I like to separate, right? So. Yeah. You used to not want to have your emails on your phone. I still you don't have to... my emails on my phone. Oh, I thought you did. No. Because some, sometimes you email me from the golf course. You, you take your computer. I've never emailed. I, I email your personal email. Yeah. But I've never. Oh, emailed, oh, 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 oh. Because okay, that's we what, had that's to give our personal emails out to a certain organization for yeah. top secret stuff. Got it. So that okay. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm my thinking, personal email is on my phone. Not work. Got it. Got it. Because I have. Yeah, I I hear from you at all hours and on the weekend on that one. <laughs> constantly it's like come on let's get a little separation here <laughs> oh hey what are you doing bud tough work you want to talk rocks yeah right. 
<laughs> it's been a couple hours. Yeah, I just read this cool article. You see it? Take yeah. a look at it. Give me a call. You know, there's Zoom etiquette too that uh, people are doing that I'm finding annoying. <laughs> like what? It's like they just shut their camera off out, out of the blue. That happens to you like every time you speak almost. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, they do. Well, that's because they're they're doing something else. <laughs> yeah, they're not listening. <laughs> Keep your damn camera on. I want to see you walk around or whatever. I don't know. Oh, look who's talking. The guy who turns the camera as far away from himself as possible. I don't rather... even know where the camera is on this computer. <laughs> but rather than turn it off, you actually turn the physically turn the entire computer so that anybody can only see your arm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is, we're in the studio where I don't know where the camera is here. This is not, this is an Apple computer. I'm, I'm, I'm used to a, a Dell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, for future reference, it's front and center, right at the very top. Front, and where the See green where the, light the is? See where the green light oh, is? That's, that's, yes, that's perfect. Okay. Awesome. I, I it's only been a, three years. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>